Dub Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. With your host, Steve Katarzy. I know being a guy who's ultra driven, very disciplined, um, academic in nature, wants to push all the time and is fairly stoic and can be kind of alpha and masculine. I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea. And in acknowledging that, you know, I can overcompensate by becoming really empathetic and aware of, you know, the female physique, the female psyche, but there's nothing better than getting experts and people around you who can compensate for your weaknesses or your lack of understanding. And today we done exactly that. I was really excited to have Lamorna Hollingsworth join us today. Lamorna is effervescent. She's an academic by heart. She's incredibly driven. She's very empathetic and she is a phenomenal online coach and nutritionist. She has some great programs to offer. She does lots of one-on-one coaching over the phone and face-to-face and her work is engaging, pragmatic and speaks to real women. I think you're going to really enjoy her perspective, the way she looks at nutrition and health and weight loss and hey, you're not just going to hear a guy talk about guy stuff. I hope you enjoy this episode. So welcome, Lamorna. Hello. We've been chatting for the last couple of hours. We should have turned the mic on then because we've had such a great conversation sipping our lattes. Um, But the audience haven't heard. So Lamorna, tell us a little bit about you. At the highest level, who is Lamorna? What are you about? So I am a nutritionist, but I'm also a personal trainer. And I found this world about six or seven years ago after a career in uh, the world of IT, which is actually how we sort of know each other. Yeah. And I work with women specifically who are looking to improve their weight, but who women who've just got a bit tired of the uh, being bombarded by information from TV and social media, friends and family who've got the best intentions and they know they want to, they know they want to improve their health. And a lot of the time that it does involve weight loss, but there's a bigger picture to it. And there's a bigger, bigger drive to it than just dropping a dress size. It's that kind of, these women have got a more of a long-term idea that they actually really would like to improve their health because they've seen maybe maybe seen people around get sick or um their parents or they're not able to run around with their children or grandchildren as much as they want to so there's this kind of real internal drive it's not just about this aesthetic but about kind of improving their nutrition overall and that's that's what i do i help them find it and how did you find yourself one being passionate about this space and two being educated enough to be able to add some value how did that how what's your journey look like getting into the space you are now so uh i was lost i was lost for about about six months nine months after my career in it and i went through a spell of depression and i was struggling to get out of bed and i went to the doctors who gave me some tablets and i knew um from what i'd read that depression can be really helped by exercise and i'd been in the past 
I'd been one of these people who'd started and stopped with exercise. You know, I'd done a couple of Tough Mudders or I'd, I'd, um, I'd run a half marathon with my dad. And, you know, at the very start stop, I hadn't been a consistent gym goer. Or when I did go to the gym once a week, I'd then go and have fish and chips on my walk home afterwards, which would probably undoing all the good work that I had done in the gym. And some, right? Yeah, but I didn't, <laughs> I just didn't have that knowledge. And yeah. um, so I was kind of in this period of my, my career in IT was done and dusted and I wasn't sure what to do. But and I why knew... was that? If we just back to that yeah, for a second, sure. that, did you leave it or did, did was he made redundant or well, was it some uh, other life decision? It was, <laughs> it was a bit of an interesting situation. Everything was going really well and I was, I was doing really uh, was well. I've been promoted. I've been working in some different roles. Um, and then my sales director, I don't know what I'd obviously done something wrong. I was hitting my targets and my KPIs. That was that was all I knew. And he said, "Well, what you know, we this kind of happened over a couple of weeks. This sort of sudden turnaround." And they said, "Well, we're not sure about this. We did a presentation a few weeks ago. We didn't really like that." And I said, oh, "Okay, well, I can improve it. That's fine." And they said, "Oh, well, um, actually, we're, we're not sure about we're not sure about this. So uh, we'll have a chat in another couple of weeks." And I was like, "Well, that's a bit strange." Mm. not sure where this has come from now i had had some really good months working in the world of sales on commission i'd you know had a, a couple of nice uh, um checks through the post so to speak and um and then they sat me down and they said right you've got option a or option b option a is you um you give us your resignation and we'll give you three months pay option b is we terminate your employment nice yeah so, so you, you was a bit surprised. I was by, completely shocked. By that because, discussion. Bloody hell. Um, I mean, the world of IT is male dominated. You can't say it's not. Um, and maybe I'd ruffled some few feathers, some feathers. I, you know what? I don't. I, You've still not I've pieced it together on. and going, oh, yeah. I know exactly what happened or it was it was how I was coming across. He's still a bit confused as to why they reached that decision. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, what That's was harsh. frustrating... They should have explained it at least, right? At least say, you know, it, it's not working because of these reasons. The well, the up. thing is, in sales, it's all about the targets. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about this earlier. You know, you, it's it's a target for the month. It's a target for the quarter. It's your biannual targets, your annual... <laughs> these Never targets. Ending. And it's a bit like death and taxes. Targets always go up. Yes. <laughs> they, they're something always consistent. And... Um, I don't know, somebody obviously didn't want me to be there. And it, because it was a small enough business, there was no HR department. And I did look into, um, there's actually another woman who's, I think she was American, who had had something very similar happen about three or four months previously. Um, so I contacted her and I looked into the official routes that you can go down to kind of raise this kind of thing. And you know what? It was such a stressful period and I was so upset. I just wanted to get out. Get away from it. I didn't want to have to fight for my job and then stay in that environment. And when I looked at other options for employment, I was very employable and I could have gone to a different role. But actually, after that amount of time in the industry, for me, firewalls, <laughs> I, I was struggling to get passionate about firewalls. <laughs> they can, you know, you can only make them sound sexy for so long. Yeah. And my heart wasn't in it. I don't and think they've ever been sexy. No, anyway. well, <laughs> <laughs> it left my soul empty. Yeah. And this was actually... Um, it's it's hard to talk about because it, it really stuck with me for a period of time because I did end up having this really dark dark stage in my in my life. 
but I did get through Very it. Very reflective, right? Like, you know, what, what yeah, done wrong? Yeah, what did I actually want to do? And I'd never yeah. been one of these people that, that, you know, knew I wanted to be a doctor or a vet or a lawyer. Um, I'd sort of chased the IT because I sort of actually thought, you know, there's some, some money in it and, and I know I can do it really well. Yeah. But actually it wasn't really what I wanted to do. And looking at my health and I was only in my early 30s. So what did I want to do? And I thought, well, actually, do I want to be sat behind a computer screen in an office all day or sat driving hours and hours each day to meetings, which is what I've been doing? Mm-hmm. Is that good for my health, my future health? Probably not. So let's do something active. I'd always enjoy teaching people. And um, back when I taught skydiving in my early 20s, <laughs> which was another life almost, um, I loved that. I loved being outside. I loved teaching people. So this idea started to emerge of I wanted to be more active. Um, I wanted to to be to do something that was helping people and to make a difference. And I came up with this idea of training as a personal trainer which everybody was shocked by, not least of all me. And had that come after you'd kind of got yourself in shape or was the idea premature to both you understanding everything and having your body exactly where you wanted to be? Well, Because usually it happens in that order, right? You get yourself yeah. in the, you get yourself the fitness bug and then That's exactly it cascades it. to you wanted to have a career in it. So as I said, I've done, you know, from... I love a challenge and I love adventure and you won't get me, you won't ever see me sort of running miles and miles just consistently day to day because I, I don't find that exciting. Mm-hmm. So I'd done things like a, like the second ever Tough Mudder when it came to the UK. I, I did that one and, um, and I did another one and I, these kind of muddy races and something that gave me a reason to train. And just before I left the world of IT, there's something called the CRN Fight Night. And it's an annual event within the industry. And they get, um, it's white collar boxing. So they get people who are just normally wearing suits day to day. And they give you a boxing trainer. And they say, off you go. Go and raise some money for charity. And then we're going to put you a ring in a ring, being watched by a thousand of your colleagues and counterparts, all in black tie. Yeah. And I've heard you, of this. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I know a friend who got knocked out and was concussed within oh really? 20 seconds of a fight. Gosh. And he was a fit guy. Yeah. Wow. Obviously can't take a hit, right? Which most of us can't. Well, we we, it's a bit scary. <laughs> we, we, we did have their head guards on. So I trained intensively. And this is pretty unusual. They'd only had one women's fight in the whole history of the CRN fight night before. And I'd seen it because I've been in the industry for a while. So I'd seen this um, advertised, you know, every year the same same woman would email everybody i think her name's faye does anybody want to apply for fight night and this that that time it was obviously you know what i'll go for it and it was just before the day before the deadline you had to apply this is in january and i messaged her she said okay well on friday that's the last of the tryouts that's great because actually we would would like to offer another women's fight because it's it's really hard to find a woman who'd like to take part (laughs) so i went (laughs) along to this boxing um club that was very spit and sawdust okay um just that just out, down the road from waterloo and uh i got given a pair of pink boxing gloves told to punch something for five minutes got to run up and down a, a dark alleyway and then two days later they said yeah we found a, a match for you okay <laughs> <laughs> scary <laughs> you're gonna be fighting in may okay so i found a local guy rather than traveling into london and he did all of my training who's a semi-professional boxer and I'd never done that kind of training before. And I was the only girl. And I did a, I did uh, classes, uh, loads of classes each week, which were 
in group settings. And then I had PT sessions with him as well. And he trained me hard. He trained me really So that hard. was really the start of you finding, what did it say, you finding your my fitness abs. at that point? My abs. Okay, I cool. didn't have those before. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and really realizing how I could push myself physically um, and mentally. And having that deadline and having that pressure was actually a really good thing for me because knowing that there was going to be all these people watching and I wanted to win and I wanted to know that I had done everything possible to to that I could to make sure that I could win. I didn't want to be stepping into that ring thinking, I wish I hadn't done this or I wish I had done this. Yeah. Okay. So that was really positive pressure on me. Um, it didn't completely take over my life. I really enjoyed the training and I really enjoyed learning how my body could be strong as well. You know, I'd been to the gym before and I've had gym programs and the occasional train. I'd gone to classes, but I never really pushed myself in that way. And I hadn't had the we didn't actually really focus very much on nutrition. I don't think uh, it, it wasn't that it wasn't a problem, but I was eating quite well anyway. I wasn't drinking very much alcohol because most of the time I was training in the morning. So I didn't want to be having a fuzzy head or feeling hungover when I was being doing, you know, sprints in a car park or, or, or sparring. I did sparring with uh, the only other, the sparring I did was, um, was with my, the guys who were, I was training with. I didn't, I hadn't fought with another girl until I stepped into the ring. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you done that for what a few months? So yeah, that's about pretty intense four months, bo boxing six training. Six days a week. Which, yeah, six days a week. Six training. days a week. And because well, you, when you watch Rocky or like you, you watch all the <laughs> all the preludes to any big fights, you know they show you all the training that they've done and yeah. like boxing training generally. You know the cardiovascular, the metabolic conditioning, all the sparring, all the strength work. It looks pretty intense. All the skipping. Yeah. Was it like that? Was it that kind of like you Rocky know what, style actually, training? I never did skipping. Oh, did you not? I need, I need to. I need to train up my Have trainer. What happens to the skipping? Double unders, right? Oh. <laughs> so, um, it was only half an hour a day. So the club that I trained at was only a sort of five minute drive away, and my PT sessions, all the classes. I think my classes were only forty five minutes. So it was actually a small amount of time each day. Okay. And you know, my Saturday and Sunday morning sessions would be like eight to eight thirty or eight thirty to nine. So. I didn't feel it was really encroaching on my life. It wasn't like I was doing two hours of training a day. And, and that was the only training I was doing. I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything else off my own back. Okay. Um, and I really, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I actually think I got away quite lightly considering some of the things I saw him doing with some of the other guys he was training. <laughs> if I was, you know, waiting for a session to end. Oh, she's a girl. She can't handle it. You know, oh, he's <laughs> slam, I bet you slamming could have, right? balls down on someone's stomach to try and make them yeah. tense. Oh, didn't have to do any of that. <laughs> I did... I did feel a bit though. Um, so this is kind of all at when this kind of my career was kind of going, getting a bit shaky. And this is all kind of coming to this massive climax because I was training for this event. And then it was about the April, March or April that I was starting to have problems with my sales director. And then I actually left. I left the company. I left the, the industry. And I still was committed to doing this fight. And they were okay with that? So we had to had to have a conversation because I was representing the company. Right. Okay. Now the because this is a whole charity event, so the norm is that if you're representing your company, your company will buy a table, which is I don't know five thousand pounds, and obviously it's uh, for charity, and they'll send along their their top sales guys and execs and directors. But because I was no longer working for the company, they said they wouldn't buy a table. Yeah, it's a bit. Ouch. Yeah. So did you did you fight it? 
So uh, long yeah. story. Yeah. You still managed I to did. fight. I went along to and the they, fight. And they, they, they managed to work so it out somehow for you. Because I'd been in the industry for such a period of time, as of, even on the video, my um, my partner came along and there was, I, because they, a lot of people knew of this way I'd been outed. <laughs> um, I had people, all the people who I knew came up to the ring and they were shouting and I think the wow. videos on YouTube, come on, Lamorna, come on, <laughs> hit her harder, knock her out. <laughs> you know? um, so I did have my little kind of real solid support crew. Okay. It, it wasn't from the business that I'd just left, which was sad. And, and luckily the actual organisers, because it's one of the conditions that you your business will buy a table when you sign up to it. Yeah. Um, they sort of said, you know, we're not going to, um, for ask you to forfeit, you know, ask you to pay the cost of the table, which I was glad about. I didn't have five thousand pounds to throw at a table mm. to, for my so, friends and family. Uh, I'm sure everyone listening, including me, is yeah. going to hear the result. <laughs> How did it go? Of course, I won. Oh, well <laughs> and was it was it like a, a glorious win, or was it just a, like a points thing? How many how many rounds it's did you do? It's only three rounds. You're wearing okay. head guards. You're wearing you know mouth guards, and I. If you see pictures of me and you, you know, from looking at me now, I don't look like a scary person. No, no I've got... <laughs> <laughs> um, and because I wanted to get more into the kind of, this kind of aggression, yeah, testosterone, and, and yeah. kind of physical power, <laughs> I did two things. Um, I bought a gum shield that had like fangs on it <laughs> 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 to try and make myself look a bit more scary. Okay. And I walked out to a song called Mama's Gonna Knock You Out. Okay. And that was my walkout music. Nice. And, and my train, Yeah. And my trainer said, as soon as you hear that bell ring, you go straight into that center. You show her that you are in control. Um, and I'm, I'm terrible at arguing. I am not an argumentative person. I am a pacifist. Um, you know, if somebody questions an argument, I'll more likely say, you know what, let's just agree to disagree. Um, <laughs> so for me, it's a, a really big turning wow. point. It was a really big year for me because I left the industry. I went and uh, went to Bali for a month. I did my scuba diving, my dive masters. Um, I went to learn to kite surf in Egypt. Um, and in the December, I decided I was going to learn, I was going to become a personal trainer. And That's then I just did my course in the 6th of January, I started. How did you, how did you get through that dark period? Um, was it, was it the <laughs> fitness that kept you going or was it something else that uh, got you out of just kind of that self-perpetuating kind of feeling sorry for yourself, a bit of sorrow, a little bit of being lost? I mean, was there yeah. a sense of that? Definitely. I was very lost. I was very lost because since I'd been back in the UK after working in Spain in my early 20s, I, that industry was all I'd known. And especially from that area, um, I'd ended up moving back from Spain into this area um, in the UK, into Surrey. And my work had introduced me to people who become my friends. I didn't, it, you know, it wasn't the place that I grew up in or went to university in. So the industry, the IT industry, the security industry. Was, was your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did feel very lost. And I still keep in touch with um, many of the people. And many of them came to my wedding. And actually I'm seeing some of them uh, tomorrow night who are from that from that life. But it does feel like a different lifetime ago. And this period of darkness, I was lucky. I had a very supportive partner. And um, he was great in terms of helping me to see that I didn't have to go back to back to an industry that I wasn't enjoying, but also that there was a different way of, of living. And and then there was this 
he had worked doing seasonal work for pretty much his whole adult life, you know, working a winter season somewhere and then a summer season. And that was completely new to me. Mm. You know, how can you have a life like this? This isn't a real job. You know, <laughs> this is this is something that people do when they're 18 or 19 or year, you know, after university and they go yeah. and do a summer season or a winter season and snowboard for a month, six months, and then they go and get a proper job. You know, like I'd had a proper job, but that proper job and that career had let me down. So my whole thinking was upside down and I did go on to antidepressants. I didn't actually find they worked that well for me. Um, but then I kind of, I think I just had to go through this thought process, this journey, having this time out, you know, I did, I went to, to Bali, as I said, but um, I'd also been to there. I ended up going back within a period of about four months. So I went traveling with my sister um, and did some yoga and and just just was able to, just to take that time out. It was a... I don't want to say it was like eat, pray, love, but you know, that kind of Julia Roberts sort of like just being able to take some time out because it's very rare that you're able to do that. I think. Yeah. It's go, go, go. Right. Yeah. We have just like a week, finish, week holiday here you, and there outside of that. It's absolutely. just full tilt because you have to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you, know, you finish that holiday, you're yeah. back into the, back into it. So I was very fortunate that I had left a job that had been, you know, was able to make me financially stable to do that. I could still yeah. pay my bills. I could still pay my mortgage and actually take the time. I was very, very lucky to do that. To do that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a really interesting backstory. <laughs> you and then that, you? <laughs> you, you, found, you found through this, this time the idea of being a nutritionist. And what, yeah. was, what was pulling you So I loved that? personal training. And I anything I do, I want to be... I don't want to be good at it. I want to be the best. And I I had done that in my early 20s. I'd done that when I'd gone to Spain. I'd done that in my IT career. And I found quite quickly that the personal training course, it's not a long course. And if you stop, if you decide, right, I'm a personal trainer now, I'm certified, and you think that's it, you, you need to be kicked out of the industry. And I think that's probably another conversation. Mm. <laughs> um, There's and a lo low of, bar to entry, isn't there? Yeah, very yeah. much so. Um, and I wanted to be really good at what I did. So I saw quite quickly from the clients that I was working with that there were there were issues. And the issues weren't necessarily connected to... Well, the, the issues were very, very complicated. And people coming to me, the majority of reasons they were coming to me were because they wanted to, to lose weight and improve their health. Weight, weight loss, people might dress it up or they might, it might take you a little while to get to know them before they'll say that that's the reason. But that's, and that's a, a perfectly justifiable reason for, for wanting to, you want to, you want to feel good, look good, right? And yeah. a lot of people don't. Yeah. It's deep down, that's either it's deep down or it's very front and center. Yeah. It is most of people's reasoning for changing their diet mm. or working out. It mm. is to lose weight. Yeah. But as yeah. you say, sometimes people don't want to fess up to that. Yeah. Because so, it feels too superficial. Exactly. Or I don't want to be the same as everyone else. Yeah. But the reality or is Or they're or they're trying to or they're or they're feeling that they want to they want to be happy in the skin they're in. And there's a lot of um a lot in the media at the moment about um, you know, being being healthy and, and larger ladies being healthy and I'm all for being whatever you want to be, that's yeah. great. But if people were coming to me and they were they were wanting to improve their health and lose weight. And coming to me and seeing me once or twice or three times a week, spending just those short hours with them, I wasn't getting them the results that they wanted quick enough. 
or that I, <laughs> they were getting results, but I wanted them to get better results. Yeah. And I knew they could get a bit better results more quickly. So we started talking about their, their food and their diet. And this is really where I saw massive, huge holes. Because the <laughs> we, you do cover a little bit about food in your personal training course, but it's, it's just a, so, so a couple of days. And I realized these people were overweight because they weren't eating right. And this is their basic calories equation. It, it's not that they're, mm. and unfortunately, it's not like they're eating too much broccoli. <laughs> I have yet to find somebody that's eating too many green vegetables in their diet, <laughs> sadly. And that person is very unlikely to be overweight. At midnight, just raiding oh, the fridge of broccoli. Oh, got to get some kale. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Craving for steamed kale. Actually, I do because I couldn't find it in France. But. So, okay, right. How many, are you having takeaways? Yeah, I have a takeaway every Friday. And then every Sunday, we, we go to the same Thai restaurant every Sunday. Okay, well, let's look at that. Okay, what are you drinking? What are you, So starting to unpick this was really interesting for me and starting to understand the habits that they had and starting to, uh, to pick the low-hanging fruit. Okay, well, can you swap this for this? Okay, you're having five full-fat extra grande lattes a day. Can we, <laughs> can we get those to regular and we switch those to skinny and can we drop it down to three? Or, you know, can, okay, you're drinking a litre of Coke every day. Okay, it could be, I could easily say don't drink that or can you switch to Diet Coke or Zero Coke? So not completely throwing these people's worlds upside down. And also because at that point, my knowledge was more limited. But just finding just easy things I know could have a really big impact. Mm. Simple swaps. So that got me. But, and the more and more I wanted to, I was trying to kind of unpeel these, these layers of the onion of these people's lives and their, their habits and their lifestyles and, and likes and dislikes. training them. Whilst I'm trying to train yeah. them, yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? <laughs> it's really difficult. Because um, they want you to, you know, beat them up and count their reps and make them sweat and make them work. Make make the yeah. money they're spending with you worth it yeah. in, in that moment it's how many calories am i burning now yeah that's what i'm paying yeah. you for right yeah not, well, I mean, not this is education was... <laughs> at the same time <laughs> well this is the uh, questioning the idea of um i've got to get it's got to get this the right way now over under promise over deliver yeah no, yeah, not the, the other way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to do it the other one so that was kind of really where i i started to get more and more interested in nutrition and then I, you know what? I can make such a big difference. These people, they're they're leaving me, they're leaving me at the gym, and then they're going, and they're they're just filling their plates with rubbish, or that what they what they're eating could be so much better. And actually, yes, I'm I'm doing I'm making great improvement improvements in their cardiovascular health and their strength. But this woman, she's still 100 kilos. She's lost 20 kilos. Amazing. But she's still 100 kilos and she can lose more and more and more by doing more exercise. But actually a really big part of what her issues are what she's what she's got in her kitchen. So that you had that penny dropping moment that whilst confidence, strength, uh, metabolic condition, conditioning can be improved as well as just the calorie burn from working out. The reality is the bigger chunk, the bigger problem, the bigger rock is what you're doing day in day out what you're feeding the food choices you're making mm. right so and, and i i, I think yeah. that's a common realization that even just general population kind of get to at certain points right when they realize that whether you want to build muscle or lose weight the majority of that work is actually in the kitchen um, but it takes mm. a long time to realize that because we've been conditioned to think eat less move more eat less move more mm. 
So we just keep hitting move more. We're thinking that is the solution to all our problems. Just move more, move more, move more, move more. Your body gets adapted to moving more. Mm. Now it becomes more efficient and you're burning less calories because you're fitter. In actual fact, there's a, there's a limit to how much you should be moving so you can recover and rest and not beat yourself up. But where you've got the big chunk of benefit is managing that diet. So you decided to become a nutritionist to, I, I guess, gain some authority and some knowledge and credibility. Yeah. Or did you also feel that there was there was a gap in what you knew and you didn't, you felt maybe you'd be, be a bit of a charlatan to offer that advice just as a PT? What was the yeah, decision well, to extend drivers your... Drivers from both directions. Because when you've got a client coming to you and they say, right, well, I'm, is it better to eat eight small meals throughout the day or one big meal? I didn't have the answer for that. I knew they needed to be in a calorie deficit. I knew how many calories were in a gram of protein, you know, <laughs> but actually how to then apply that knowledge or that small amount of knowledge that I had to somebody's life mm. was I didn't have. And also there's a lot of myths out there and a lot, a lot of myths do have uh, a grain of truth in them. You know, like, for example, this idea that the myth that uh, eating eggs causes high cholesterol that came about because of the study that where they gave rabbits very high concentrated um, uh, egg yolk, form of egg yolk, um, huge, huge amounts. And then the rabbits got fat and their cholesterol went up. Mm. So, but it's, so that's where that myth came from. And now we know from kind of more modern studies that actually eating eggs isn't going to raise your cholesterol. So, so, but all these myths people are coming up with, because there is so much in the media on TV, um, you know, everybody has got an opinion about nutrition and about food and diet and the best Absolutely. way to eat. So we're, we're hearing this all of the time. And then when you've got a personal trainer and you're going to that person, you're asking them these questions. Well, is this right? My, my friend has, has done this and she's stopped eating dairy. Is, should I be doing that? Or should I stop eating gluten? Or should I go sugar free? Or um, I've heard that this is true. You're their authority figure. So they expect you to know, don't absolutely, they? Absolutely. But yeah. you don't, you're not given the training. So, yeah. And I was really interested in this. I love food. I really love food. Same All here. food. <laughs> and I've, um, I've, I'd found this balance myself in terms of my training and my food. But actually, I wanted to improve more myself. And I wanted to improve the lives of my clients as well and get them better results. So there were all these kind of different drivers. And I was thinking, well, I need to learn more. So what should I do? And there are various courses out and, out and about and um, various bodies that you know you can credit you but I did a lot of research and I decided to um, to do a 12-month course um, which was pretty intense. That's a big time commitment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean the personal training course that I did um, was a full-time course but it's only six weeks which is common, mm. which is common. Yeah, so um, I thought yeah, that's the way to go and the more I learn about nutrition the more I realize I've still got lots to learn and it's such an exciting area for me because there's all these new areas coming up um we talked briefly earlier but to do with the you know, the gut microbiome is super interesting for me right now and and now we're sort of seeing these links between the gut and the brain um but then you've got all the other aspects of health you know to do with sleep and stress so for me I started to get more interested in these there was always a physical aspect of training and lifting weights and, and that side of things. But actually looking at all these other areas of, of how you can really fully optimize not your not just your weight, but your health 
by getting all these other areas and starting to improve on those as well. I think we've been on a similar journey because I, I, I think like most people that find themselves in a healthy state or a you know a optimal wellness state, you don't often start with that as the goal, right? You start almost exclusively, as you just said, right? I got to lose some weight. You start to in, you know encourage you in, get encouraging feedback that you are losing weight, your body's starting to look a bit more proportionate. You know, you might be building a little bit more muscle. You're starting to feel a bit more confident in yourself that comes across outside of the gym, at work, with your friends, how you wear your clothes. And you kind of get a little bit more self-love. That self-love then extends to, it's not just about the weight now. How can I just maybe perform a little bit better in the gym? What do I eat to perform better in the gym? Mm. Oh, maybe if I sleep more, I'll perform better in the gym. So I'll do that as well. And then before you know it, it's not just about the gym performance or the muscles or the weight losses. How do I sharpen be more? Yeah. And then eventually these people that are at this kind of like the, the far end of the spectrum of caring for themselves and making good nutritional choices um, have got there incrementally through acquiring knowledge, testing things out and being inquisitive to improving how they show up, longevity, vitality, energy, in the here and in the future. And it sounds like that's kind of the journey you're going on. Mm. And your nutrition course was a, a massive um, step change in your knowledge, but your knowledge is ever improving as there continues to be new science and new things coming out. Absolutely. And something that's so exciting for me now is that I've never been excited about a subject in this way before. Um, not when I was at school, not was I, you know, I had interests. Um, not when I went to university, I just picked, I literally picked a course that I thought sounded interesting. And as I said at the beginning, I didn't have that, that internal knowingness of, I want to be a fill in the blank. Mm. And for those people who do, I'm, I, I'm so envious that they, they've always had that drive, but I didn't have it. And you know what, I thought, you know, maybe I just don't have it. And I you know, read these books and maybe I'll never get it. Um, you know, you can see these speakers and motivational speakers and and that's okay. And some people will never get it. And I just thought, you know what, I'm just one of those people. So being in that world of IT, that's why I was kind of happy there for so long, because I just thought, you know what, I'm just one of these people that I'm never going to have that drive. Don't have your thing. Yeah. You're just good at work. Yeah, This exactly. is your work. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but it's still same got here to... Same <laughs> for me, by the way. Exactly the same for me. Yeah. I was really good at my job yeah. and got a lot of satisfaction with being good at my job and just accepted, you know, I've got safety, I've got income. Yeah. I've got, you yeah, know, I, take, nice I, I take no risk yeah. because it's not my money. You know, mm -hmm. I'm working for an employer. <laughs> and it was like safe, safe yeah. yet prosperous. Mm. But at some point whether it's forced upon you, like in your case, yeah. or you kind of reach the realization yourself, you go, is this scratching that itch? Is 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 my purpose and my mission mm. being fulfilled? What is my purpose? And you ask those questions like, what is life about? And at some question. point, yeah. you know, at some point that question is so loud, you feel you need to invest some time to answer it. Mm. And it's funny that we both kind of found ourselves infatuated with this um you know, both voraciously reading, getting excited about this stuff, but something so simple as what we put in our mouths. Because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> it is ridiculous. We've been doing this forever, yet 
it seems to be such a resurgence and interest in nutrition right now. Especially, yeah, the last the last couple of years, really, really crazy. And and as I said, everybody's everybody's got an opinion about nutrition and food, whether they they know that they're not eating well, or whether they think they are, or whether they actually are. Everybody has got because we all eat, and it's a bit like um, if you if you ever meet a chef. So, so straight away, you sort of you start to want to talk about food with them, and because you eat, because you eat, and I've spoken. It's a common ground, yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> yeah. But the chef is thinking, "Oh my god, you don't." This is my any. job. Yeah, <laughs> but also this person, like, "Oh yeah, I've got my technique for cooking chicken breast or the perfect boiled egg," and the chef's like, "Yep, yep, 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 yep. That's right. Yep." But really, you don't have a clue what I do as a chef. Because, yeah. But everybody thinks there's a well, people who enjoy cooking, I should say, there's always an inner chef that they're kind of trying to sort of find that common ground. So it's so interesting, this idea of everybody's got an idea of what they should or shouldn't be eating. And there's so much confusion out there. So where I, I really enjoy picking these kind of ideas up is this looking into the studies and looking into the, the evidence. My course is all about being an evidence-based practitioner. Um, I look at people as a whole, as you know, we talk about sleep and stress and that kind of thing. But I look at the, what the actual science is telling us. Um, that's where I base my foundation of knowledge. And then, you know, I've got my own personal anecdotes and, and experience from clients that I've worked with as well. But all the time I'm learning and everybody is so dif is different. Everybody's got different likes, dislikes, circumstances, lifestyles and pressures on them. So every person I work with is different. And that's really fun for me to start unpeeling the layers of the, the onion and seeing where can I help this person the most? How can I help this person make improvements to their life and their health? Um, I was never cut out to be a surgeon or a doctor, but this is my way of, of helping other people, which I absolutely love. <laughs> and it goes beyond just being uh, a teacher because much of, you know, helping fix, quote unquote, fix people's lives is you, there's usually a psychological aspect, right? We, mm. we, we say in the industry mindset or growth mindset, mm. but the reality is you're dealing with people's psychology yeah. around how they make decisions, how they value themselves, how they love or dislike themselves, you know, whether they have internal or external accountability, um, you know, how they deal with crisis, how they deal with decision, why they make bad decisions. And like, this is all, you know, this is basically getting someone on the couch and having a chat with them, right? And that is why I think what I'm hearing from you is the enjoyment extends beyond the academic passing on of information. But you're trying to give them the right information that works for them at the right time, given their circumstances, their mental state, mm -hmm. and what they can deal with at that moment, right? I know if everyone could just eat the way I eat, they'll be a lot better. I'm not mm. saying they'd be perfect, but they'd be a lot better than where they're at right now. But I can't expect people to make all the choices that I've made in an instant because it's a, it's a process, isn't it? It really is. And understanding yeah. what that sequencing should be like for the person sitting in front of you or over on, on the phone or on email, that's a challenge, but an exciting one. I think that's what I'm hearing from you is you enjoy the uniqueness of everyone, albeit you've got kind of governing rules and principles which are the same. Yeah, and... And understanding that each person, when people come to me, they think they want a diet 
and they think they want a, a, a plan and they know they're looking at this longer term picture of health. But that's that's not really sexy. They've got a dress they want to get in for Christmas. Yep. They've got a wedding that they want to look good for or a holiday that they're going to be wearing a bikini for, hopefully, if they can <laughs> if they can get into Muscle a certain size or get the courage. Um, and I actually did a video because you've seen some of my videos and I entitled it. And this is earlier this year, how to get I don't know, six ways to get sexy this summer. And it was there was something in the news to do with a poster on the tube. And it was, um, I can't remember who it was, you might remember, are you bikini body ready? And there's a lot of outrage to do with this poster. There's obviously kind of suitably slim woman in this kind of tiny bikini. So I made a video on how to get sexy this summer. And I called it, I called it that because I knew people would click on it. Whether they were... Snackable clickbait content, right? People want the answer to that question. But actually... <laughs> what I talked about in the video it wasn't that. <laughs> it, it wasn't right. Kind of live on celery for two yeah. weeks before you go on holiday. The points I was making was, don't try and buy clothes that are small, too small for you before you go on holiday, because you'll just feel, feel sad that you can't fit into them. Don't dust off that kind of size six bodycon dress that you wore once in a nightclub in Tenerife and you've got amazing memories of, you know, <laughs> to, that you'll never fit into again. Oh yeah, I know that dress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> you know, love yourself for who you are. You know, find a swimsuit or a bikini that you're comfortable with. Find a sarong. Find a really flashy necklace, you know, beautiful pendant necklace. Find some sparkly flip-flops. Whatever is going to make you feel confident and good because... Two weeks before your holiday is not the time to try and drop two dress sizes. It's the time to be enjoying getting, you know, going and getting your nails done, you know, or having your hair done, mm. not making yourself miserable before you go on holiday. So actually, I didn't use the word how to get sexy this summer. I didn't get in the video. It was how to get body confident. And whether you are a size, so the average size in the UK is uh, for women is size 16. So whether you're a size 16 and 18, 14, 12, whatever size you are, you should be able to feel confident um, and happy within your skin. And if you want to improve your your size, then that's up to you. Mm. Um, and if that's, you know, if people are coming to me because they, they want to make changes to their health, then then I will help them. But it's um, I don't like to get down those kind of conversations of, of you know, people can be very judgmental. Um, and I, that's not really an area I like to. Uh, it's. I'm just, if people want to help to become more healthy, and if that involves weight loss, I'm your girl. So could we change gears a little bit um, and cover off maybe some common trends or maybe some of the biggest struggles? So just to be clear for, for the audience, your your demographic or your clientele, exclusively women? Yeah, yeah. I work with men. Um which is great because I'm not I'm not woman and I don't necessarily <laughs> un, you know I don't understand the psyche of women I've got a wife and I've got friends but you do this day in day out so I'm really interested to hear um, what you see are maybe some of the biggest struggles so whether it come whether it be diet or whether it be running a family or I don't know we we discussed a couple of things off air but what would you say? If you had to say either themes or the biggest struggles you're seeing with the body of clients you're working with right now, um, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to be able to relate. So there are so many pressures on women in this age and they come from our careers or um, households, becoming mothers or not becoming mothers, um, 
there's a lot going on. And I'm I'm not saying there isn't for men. I'm just talking about women. There, there's a lot going on, a lot of pressures, responsibilities and commitments. And it's no wonder that we are the most obese nation in Europe because we put so much pressure onto ourselves. And what I see is these women end up there. They get to a point where they say, right, something needs to be done. And then they will they will try to diet or they'll try to eat less. We mentioned that phrase earlier. Um, something will happen. They might sign up to a um, like a transformation challenge or um, some kind of diet um, and they may lose weight. They may not. And then there's sort of different <laughs> things going on there. But it, what is going on in our heads? And sometimes we're our own worst enemies because we can either go all or nothing. And I see this with every single client, this all or nothing and this black and white mentality. Mm-hmm. Um it's just human nature. And I know I'm like that in certain aspects of my life. And, and it's, it's very hard to get out of this. And I try to encourage people and they tend to remember this because I say, right, let's see in some shades of gray. No, not like 50 shades. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get away from the, uh, from the book, but let's look at the shades of gray. How often when you do a piece of work or when you do something at home, you're something you're proud of. How often do you mark yourself 10 out of 10? rarely i'm gonna yeah. guess you can answer this yeah rarely not yeah. very often very infrequently yes. almost never yeah. okay so we might give ourselves an eight if we're really proud of ourselves we might give ourselves a nine but we probably will you know with hindsight we'll say well there's something i could have done better next time i would do this differently how often do we give ourselves um a low mark it's much more common than how often we give ourselves a high mark but it's very rare that we'll actually score ourselves a five or a six we're we're our harshest critics and that then in sort of manifests itself in other aspects of our life so in this black and white idea so when we are looking to lose weight we will be very motivated we will do everything that we can we'll go to the gym six times a week we will cut this out we'll cut that out we'll be very focused but that will only last for a limited amount of time. So for some people, that'd be a week. For some people, it'd be a month. For some people, it might be three months or even six months. Mm. But it's going against all of the habits and the, the way that we've been living for years, maybe even decades. So it's very hard to maintain. And then we fall off the bandwagon. So we either don't achieve the results we're looking for. We give up the diet halfway. Or we finish the diet or we finish the transformation challenge. We finish the course of pt sessions and we go back to what we were doing before and would i not would it not be right in saying people do that not necessarily just because they fall off the bandwagon but some if you're if you're taking this abstaining approach this go all in abstain you know eliminate 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 eat less you know go against the grain for a period of time i would i would suggest i've been there too that you're waiting for that to end Right. So it's not just I made a mistake and I'll look now I'm eating like crap again. There's a point where you go enough's enough. I I deliberately want to cut off. Right. You know, in my mind, this never was going to be forever. There was going to come an end where I've now achieved my goals or not. And now I can retain normality. Normality, unless corrected, is what I'm currently doing now in an obese state. Yeah. Um, Is is that fair? Is that a fair assessment of the people you're speaking to? And I see that. And I, especially from the clients that I work with, I see that all the time. And they've said, or I even see it sometimes with my own clients. And for whatever reason, they kind of, 
they'll there'll be a period where they're okay let's talk about a diet that's probably the easiest thing like a like a six-week diet that last five, week five and week six people will find focus because it's nearly at the end yeah it's nearly at the end and then at the end of that last day they can rip up that piece of paper that's got the list of foods that they're not allowed to eat that they love to eat and all the foods that they have been forcing themselves to eat but they really don't like and they look at that piece of paper you know whether it's figuratively speaking or actually literally and they rip it up and they chuck it in the bin and they breathe a sigh yes. of relief because they don't have to eat two portions of oily fish anymore a week which they absolutely hate or they can now have a biscuit again which they've missed for the last six weeks because it was on the list of foods that they weren't allowed to eat so they chuck it in the bin they breathe this sigh and they go back to the habits and the foods and the lifestyle that caused them to put the weight on in the first place. And this is where you see this, this cycle of restrict restriction um, or it could be a yo-yo kind of dieting cycle. And they may have lost weight. They may have may not have. But it's this kind of idea that, right, I can chuck that in the bin. I can go back to the things I like doing and the habits. And our habits are so ingrained into our psyche and our subconscious because our habits we make so many decisions every single second and habits are our body's mechanism of making our lives easier um because they're, they're subconscious you know you will drive to work and you get to work and you'll somebody can say to you how did you get here you know you know you drove you know you drove the same way because you do it every single day you go but, on autopilot right but you can't remember exactly yeah. so this is what this is why we've got habits but our habits are working against us. So what I really, what, what's really fun, fun for me and fun for clients as well is to see, right, how can we get the habits that we've got? The worst thing you can do is try to say, right, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to break that habit. That's really difficult. And if you- I mean, it is possible. But, it is possible. But you have, to, you have to use discipline, militant discipline and a level of stoicism, which- isn't going to feel nice and it might take a really long time before that doesn't feel hard and for more more often than not that level of kind of abstinence breaks down right Absolutely. some people can do it some people are militant some yeah. people have a really strong focus and commitment and nothing can shake them but you know what i think that's the it's a minority of people that have that level of resolve right <laughs> the <diamonds> in the <laughs> rough. and exactly. i'm not like that either so i think majority of people you will know if you've ever try to break any kind of habit or even start a new habit it, it's really tough so part of the work that I do I actually start I, I I've got a whole um section of um actions and worksheets and um tools in my toolbox that I work with my clients on on and changing their habits and changing a habit is much easier than breaking it so I'm not telling everybody to go and drink diet coke but if you do have a habit where you're drinking a liter of coke a day instead of saying just stop that and drink water instead well that would be the i would much prefer that person to drink water instead but realistically is that going to happen right mm. well let's change that person from drinking full fat coke to a diet or a zero coke because at least then we're going to get an element of uh, balancing their calories 
And yeah, then maybe we will, we'll reduce that from a litre of Diet Coke to half a litre or to one can and we'll be up in their water intake at the same time. But trying to get people to be perfect straight away yeah. isn't realistic. However, whilst you may think it's unrealistic and so do I, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's what people expect of themselves. Yeah. Right. This idea of you said black and white. Uh, just give me the list. Tell me what I need to do. Yeah. This is tell me what perfect is or tell me what the fastest way to lose weight is like the optimal way. I don't want to know the 50% way or the lose half a pound a week way. How do I lose five pound a week? Is that what I'm going to do? I'm going to do that. Mm. Okay, I'm going to eat these five foods and I'm going to have nothing else that I like. I'm just head down, do that until you know you're going to break. Mm. But I think psychically, we probably know that we need to find an iterative way of changing our habits. But in the moment, what we want is the the perfect diet. Eat, you know, no refined sugar or no sugar, as we mm. were talking about, or let's go on this vegan diet. Everyone seems to be losing weight on vegan diets. Or yeah. what about this keto diet here? If you just, you know, run on fats all day long, you lose loads of weight and you don't need to, you don't <laughs> want to eat. Just sign me up. Let me identify with it. Let me see the do's and don'ts. I'll follow those religiously until it stops. <laughs> because yeah. at some point it's going to stop. It will stop, yeah. But do you see that, that, maybe over-identification with a diet, wanting to follow a black and white list of do's and don'ts. Is is that what people come to you wanting or exploring with you initially? Yeah. So it's, as I said, it's this idea of this black and white mentality, this all or nothing. And people are so motivated when they want to make a change. They really want to make all of the changes. Yeah. And that's actually quite stressful. It's stressful on the mind. It is, yeah. It's stressful on the body. Um, and one of the lessons that I impart is the willpower. So a lot of people are, they get so frustrated and angry and disappointed with themselves that they don't have the willpower to stick to a diet or they stick to it for a period of time and then it breaks and they take that out on themselves and they take that out themselves. I'm weak and I'm, yeah. Yeah. And they, with, you know, with, um, and this negative thinking, they feel like a failure they just think they should give up. Why should they even bother? This, you know, being healthy and losing weight is never going to be, it's just what they're one of the people, they just can't do it. It's whatever reasons. And that is the saddest thing because it's not their fault. Now, I'm just talking about this kind of mentality here. It's, it's the idea that they can suddenly go from being a 5 out of 10 to being a 10 out of 10 and being a 10 out of 10 24-7, you know, four weeks, the whole, it just, it's really, really hard. And willpower, I, <laughs> I like to explain willpower as a re resource that you can't rely upon. So imagine your willpower. I love my analogies. My husband <laughs> is always rolling his eyes at them but never mind <laughs> <laughs> imagine your willpower at the beginning of a day is like a jug a full jug of water a full jug and when you first get up your willpower is tested now your willpower can be tested through anything that's going on in your life so it could be that your kids are playing up your kids won't put their shoes on before they go to school and you're going to be they're going to be late for school it could be that you end up in traffic as you drive to work it could be that you're stood at the train station and you go to get your cup of tea or your cup of coffee as you wait for your train and there's a croissant whatever it is it, your willpower is being tested so a little bit of that jug is mm -hmm. being poured out yeah. And that continues throughout the day. And it might be you're having um, a, a, you know, a, a trying day at work, 
it could be if there's a meeting that's not gone to plan, somebody's been late, you've been late, whatever, it, you know, you've you've had your mum on the phone complaining about your dad, you know, whatever it be. Things, you're being tested every every hour, every day. And every time there's that little element of almost losing, almost you having to keep your self-control. Maybe you're having to bite your tongue. Maybe you're having to make a decision between the crisps or the grapes, whatever it could be. That's all depleting your willpower. And you get to the end of the day and you get home and you're driving home and you need to fill up with petrol. And you think, you know what? I'm going to buy a chocolate bar. You get home, you realize there's nothing in. You know what? I'm going to have a takeaway. I've had a really trying day. I deserve it. You pour that glass of wine. So the 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 evidence and the science shows us that we are most likely to break our diets in the evening and at home. And that's one of the reasons. So let's forget about willpower because we know that it's really really hard to try and rely on it and let's look at other ways that we can really optimize our diets Mm. that means we're not trying to rely on willpower and we're not feeling weak oh i've been really weak this week this week because this has happened and this happened i ended up making these bad choices you made those bad choices because your your brain is just tired and there's not the better options you've not you've not got the better options available so a lot of what I I, I really totally agree. yeah really enjoy doing is like I said finding that low hanging fruit. So it could be an easy swap from a uh, you know a diet coke so a full fat coke to a diet coke. It could be that you always have your Mars bar at three o'clock in the afternoon because you're feeling that your blood sugar's a bit low. Well, let's change that to a protein bar. So finding just little things that people can think right. You know what I'm um, making some improvements to my life, but actually it's things that I feel that are sustainable. Um, and then we can start making, and we, we, we see the magical thing is, well, it's not even magic, it's just science, is that we see changes, we see improvements, and they don't feel like it's a huge amount of work. Now, don't get me wrong, there is work involved, but it's not how they would think. It's not necessarily, I've got to go to the gym for an hour every day. It's not, I've got to spend an hour making a nutritious meal for myself. Because those things you can do, but they're not necessarily going to be sustainable. I, I totally agree. This idea of going from a 5 out of 10 to a 10 out of 10, I think aspirationally is what, when people have decided that enough's enough, that's the end state, but they want end state immediately. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure everyone else has, right? That that switch, that flicks in your head, um, you know it's flooded with a bit of adrenaline you know you've got this kind of enthusiasm you want to change things you've decided enough's enough you know i'm going to buy the gym gear i'm going to go and sign up to the gym get a gym membership i'm going to throw out stuff in the house i'm going to buy some new food i'm going to go on google and work out what i need to go do there's lots of change immediate and i think that's an instinct to you know get fed up with the status quo and want something different and therefore, I think that's what I think people's biggest challenge is, is this idea of going from a 5 out of 10 to a 5.2 tomorrow. And then from from 5.2 to go to a 5.4. Mm. And then over a course of year, you know, incrementally go from a 5.6 up to a 8.4. Like, I mean, you can get there. You can get to a 9 out of 10. And you can get there and love it, enjoy it, and sustain it. But it's unlikely for most people, you can go from a 5 out of 10 to a 9 out of 10 in one fell swoop. Exactly. 
but how do you sell that? How do you sell, you know, I'm, I'm, ja I'm, I'm Jane, I'm, I'm 30, yeah. 30 pounds overweight, mm. enough's enough. I've reached out to Lamorna. Right, I've decided I'm going to lose weight. Mm. Right, let's do this. I'm all in. Throw it all at me. I'm good to go, right? Yeah. Show me the workout plan. Show me the, I'm, I'm going to do it all. How do you, what do you do? You, do you go with the enthusiasm and say, she's up for it. I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at her because <laughs> she wants it. Or are you going to restrain and potentially disappoint her that, you know, that Lamorna, she doesn't know much. She just told me to like change two things. Like, what's, what's the bloody point of that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? How, yeah, do you absolutely. not struggle with that? Well, there's, there's, first of all, there's a phrase in marketing, which I'm sure you'll be familiar with. Uh, sell them what they want, give them what they need. Mm -hmm. And I think almost any parent has probably applied this idea to their children as well um, in various situations. Um, but also it's giving the person enough that they're actioning so that they do feel they're making big changes. Um, giving them that element of education as well um, is really, really crucial. People don't necessarily think that they want to be educated. People don't come to me saying, Lamorna, I'd really like to understand how many calories are in a gram of protein. No, I've, got, I've got 20 pounds to lose. Come on, let's, let's get on with it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But having that understanding, appreciation of what they've done in the past and why that has been successful or why that has failed. And also getting them to understand more about themselves and more about what actually drives them and looking at these other aspects of life in terms of their sleep, in terms of their stress and showing that they can actually make some changes in all these different aspects that are going to be with them for a longer period of time than a quick fix diet, which is what they they may think that they're looking for. Um, so it's, it's really understanding and helping them to appreciate that there's a lot that they can still be doing and still be actioning. And actually, I keep them very busy in terms of the, the planning documents. And it's this idea of, I talk to people about planning and kind of eyes glaze over which is completely understandable. I can't do some schoolwork now. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But the, here's an analogy for you. I did warn you. Think about it when you do your washing. I don't. But go no. on. Go oh, on. I'll, try, I'll try. Is that a blue I'll... job? We're not, we're, not on the, we're not on the Guilty Feminist podcast, are we? Right. So whoever does the washing, if you do your own washing, may, you may have done your washing. I'll try past. and imagine. Go on. Oh, dear. Right. <laughs> Get Michelle in. Exactly. Well, <laughs> come back. Most people don't do their washing on a, a, a Wednesday or a Thursday or Friday. People tend to do their washing and they think about the washing on the weekend. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going with the idea that most of us or the people around us have got this Monday to Friday routine. So let's go with that. So you might be at work Monday to Friday, maybe the children at school Monday to Friday. You think about doing the washing on the weekend. Because you're thinking, right, I've got the kids' PE kits, I've got the kids' uniforms, I've got my shirts, I've got my work clothes, and I want to have clean underwear for the week ahead. You don't want to get to Thursday and find that the kids are screaming at you because their PE kit is still sat in a bag mm -hmm. or horrible, and you've got no <laughs> you've got no clean socks or clean shirts for work, and suddenly it's fright. Friday morning and you've got to try and Yeah, find the weekend's it. a reset. A reset and exactly. a plan ahead. Yeah. So washing isn't something necessarily that we enjoy doing, although I think the occasional person will think, oh, I love doing my ironing. But it's something that we just do as a matter of course because it makes our lives easier during the week to get it done when we have the time. So that's 
that's something that I really like people to kind of muse about. Think, actually, I can think about food in this way. Now, many of us will do our shopping on the weekend for the same reasons, because it's really hard midweek. We've got commitments, social commitments or, you know, activities, you know, that we enjoy or people around us, our family or children have. So trying to do a family, you know, to do a big shop, you know, on a Tuesday night, probably is, for most of us, is not going to be realistic. Plus, if you're going once a week and I do, I'm going to run Wednesday to Tuesday. It's just a bit of a mind fuck. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'd rather run. I'd rather we run like things Sunday to start Sunday, to Sunday or Monday. Yeah, exactly. True, true. <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of idea that we start approaching our food and our nutrition and by planning. Because a lot of the time when we're making these bad choices, coming back to willpower, it's because there's Lack not, of a plan. not no plan yeah. and there's no better alternative. And when we look in the cupboards... And there's nothing there, or there's a frozen pizza, and that's all you've got. What are you going to do? Take away. Yeah. Take away. I, I totally agree. I think everything you've said, it both relates to me personally and the experience both Michelle and I have run through over the last couple of years of, you know, sorting out our habits and getting ourselves to a point where we run on autopilot in, in what I think is a pretty good way, you know, in the, the choices we make, um, both in terms of physical, um, how we educate our kids, how we feed our kids how we feed ourselves, how we sleep and nourish our bodies. But it's taken time. Mm. And we're not perfect and we've still got loads to learn. Um, but it is habit and it is having a plan. How do we, or how do you, you know, break free of this idea of just tell me what works? Just uh, like give me external accountability and tell me what I need to do versus slow down <laughs> let me tell you why and let me give you the the background let me give you the education so you can be enabled because enablement is liberating because now you know if with with information you have maximum flexibility you can run your life pretty much as you do now we make some changes it won't feel any different a year from now you've got maximum flexibility because you're enabled, you know, calories, you know, macros, you need no nutrients in food, you know how to plate a meal, you know, the calories of a, of, of a plate, you know, you can make these decisions on the fly, because we're enabling you with this kind of wisdom and knowledge. But all I want now is the do's and don'ts, the black and whites mm. and the how to's, but I don't want to know the why. I personally don't want to struggle with that because I want to know the why I'm a person who asks a lot of questions and want the answers. Um, but I know a lot of people, and, and I don't mean to be sexist, but, you know, speaking to my wife, she does kind of agree with this, that there's a lot of women that would rather have the external accountability from either a live workout or going to a class who someone's going to scream at them for half an hour and be told a do's and don't list of a diet versus, you know, leaning in on the why behind all of these choices and finding the accountability from within. Mm. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah. And what I do is I drip feed the educational aspect of this. Um, because when people understand the why, they are more likely to then continue with it. And then if they're continuing it, they're going to have these long term results, which they do want. Now, in the short term, we don't, yeah, we're looking at this low hanging fruit. So kind of things like easy swaps, but we're also making sure. So when it comes to health, it's sort of, um, um, my approach is this uh, triangle and we've got on each side of the triangle, we've got mindset, nutrition, and then your physical health. So 
what I do is I make sure that we're kind of starting to kind of make changes in all of these. Um, but yes, physical results is what people a lot of the time they're looking for straight away. And that could be also a thing in terms of improving their energy as well. But there's so much going on. So I drip feed this educational content because we know, I know they know, they want something that's going to last. They don't want to drop a dress size or drop that 10 kilos for it to go on again next no year. No one wants to be on a yo-yo no. diet. No, exactly. So they know yeah. they know that. Yeah. But if I just say to him, here's a handbook, go and read that, then that's not, you know, the first page is going to get written, yeah. written and then it's going to start collecting dust. So that that's not a good approach for anybody. So giving them the actions around the physical side of things. And obviously now being a personal trainer, that's really helpful in terms of these kind of, these pieces of puzzle all kind of starting to tie up. So I drip through the educational content. We increase our activity or even start activity because maybe they haven't done anything since school, you know, it's, you know, or maybe since, since having children, whatever stage they're at, we look at how we can improve their activity as well. So it's not just okay, right, you've got to go and get yourself a personal trainer and do three personal training sessions a week, or you've got to go and do my workout plan that I've got for you. It's finding things that they actually, again, want to do. Now, if they just say, well, Lamorna, just tell me what to do. So within my, so my nutrition for life is my main course, but then I have mini courses and those are drip fed throughout the life of the nutrition for life course. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. So one of the mini courses I have is um, a workout series. So I'm in my Lycra, jumping around, and those workouts get progressively harder. So we set, if somebody says to me, look, I don't know what to do, I, this is where we stop. Um, we've got aspects where a lot of people love the idea of detoxing or doing a cleanse. They might not actually know what that means, or it's just a word for them, but it's synonymous with the fact that they're looking to improve their health and often weight loss. So I've actually got a mini course called the No Detox Detox think about that (laughs) and this is all about um it's not about drinking juice for a week (laughs) it's about looking at other aspects so things like the digital detox we talk about there's all these different aspects of things like improving sleep which is helpful for weight loss so as these people are you know almost like imagining their racehorses and they really want to you know and the jockey is having to kind of just make sure they're kind of they they bide their time. They've got the energy to last to the end. They can really push through for the finish. I'm, I'm also that jockey helping that person to keep yeah. them, keep them motivated. It's a marathon, not a sprint, right? You kind yeah. of need, need that to be the guy. Yeah, but they still want to have North that Star, driven because right? when you're, you know, if you've never driven, uh, uh, run a marathon before by mile two, you're going to be like, oh, this is, this is hard. hard. This Absolutely. is hard. hard. So having somebody say, no, let's just get there. to that. <laughs> <laughs> get, let's get to that next lamppost. You know, yeah. let's get to that next marker point. You know, okay, let's walk for a bit. Okay, now let's sprint for a bit. Having that person to guide them through the way. That is what I do. So I'm I'm not sort of holding them back. I'm not the, you know, the person who's got the lead and like reining them in. I'm motivating. I'm pushing them along. Or pulling them along even sometimes um but having those aspects i've found is what works best so that people have got these mini uh kind of mini targets yeah um at the same time that I've, makes sense yeah i mean i've i've loved putting these mini courses together because it's been so much fun i've got one called how to survive friday nights because being social and weight loss normally the two do not go hand in hand mm. and that can be a really big sticking point 
I want to go out. I love going out on a Friday and Saturday night and seeing my friends. But when I go out, I drink alcohol. Now, do I not go out? Do I go out and not drink alcohol? Neither of those tend to seem be very appealing. Now, I could say, well, alcohol's got calories and there's all sorts of other reasons that you shouldn't be drinking beyond a certain amount. But is that realistic for that person? And like you said before, people are just give me the list of things I can and can't do. Most of the time, it's when you actually start getting into the social side of things that people don't want to let go of those. But it's that's where they the will restrictions have... when it comes to social was very difficult. Yeah. People... Do I either just ignore the social event altogether or am I that that widow in the corner who's, you know, being super restrictive Sipping and tap water. <laughs> yeah, seems to be the party pooper and, and and yeah, people fall out of love with those that aren't willing to just go with the flow. Mm. So how can you go with the flow, enjoy yourself and look like you're enjoying yourself? whilst knowing that you've got an overall plan that you're kind of sticking to. Not Absolutely. for the day or the week, but it might be so, as you look at the month, you know, this was scheduled. This was fine. You know, th this is yeah. part of the plan. I can do this, you know, let my hair down, enjoy myself, feel like as if I'm getting everything out of that evening and that meal. But it's that one night's not going to throw me off forever. And it's given, given that kind of, that it's given that knowledge that can be very liberating. Because now you can go out for a meal twice a week if you want to and still lose weight. And that was a massive eye-opener for me. When I when now I realize I don't have, need to abstain from that cake or I can't <laughs> go out for these, or I can only go out for a meal once a month. Yeah. You know, that that depresses me thinking about that. Mm. But finding a way to be able to manage that kind of social aspect, the stuff that you, you that you long for, that kind of nourishes you psychically and knowing that you can do that no regrets because you've got a plan an overarching plan that's accounted for these aspects of your life and if you can ed educate people on how to do that now they've got a sustainable way of surviving and thriving through diet and exercise nutrition and sleep that they can own forever versus this two-month diet ahead of going to Mallorca or what have you do you know yeah, what I mean absolutely it's, it's finding that balance and uh, it's such a privilege for me to be able to be in that position that I can I can show I can show my clients that it is possible to have both because everything they've ever been taught or en anything they've ever heard has said the opposite and when they've seen success with weight loss whether it's themselves or or friends or family it's been through this, through these very restrictive diets and the diet ends. And that has been a, you know, a call. <laughs> when these diets end, you know, we talked about chucking the piece of paper in the bin. But yeah, the social aspects can come come back because a lot of the time they've had to say no, you know, or they they have been the, the party pooper or the opposite. Don't call me for a month. My head's down. Yeah. Or they've the opposite. But in January, it? we can talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they have been going out um, and having dinners and going out and drinking, whatever. But then they felt incredibly guilty afterwards yeah. and they felt like a that's failure. Not good. That's, that's not good. That is yeah. terrible. And that it really makes Sometimes you me can feel so guilty sad. when you've not done anything wrong. No. Do you know what I mean? You can go out and have the the one I don't know you can have a, sl a small slice of cake maybe it was 150 calories but because you had chocolate you're you're a failure or maybe not maybe that day was perfect maybe you actually managed it perfectly but because you weren't educated 
because you've had that, you know, that avoid food, the game's over. Yeah. And I've been there. I've, I've been exactly there where foods were evil, evil foods, never to be touched. Mm. And I have a moment of weakness. Right? Exactly. And I go and have that food. Your willpower's run out. <laughs> and I have that food and, and I would, I'd feel guilty that I made that decision in the moment mm. when in actual fact it wasn't a bad decision. No. Do you know what I mean? Not, ev- not everything is a bad decision, but you need to know that it's not a bad decision. Yeah, we are we are our own worst enemies. And what I really love to do is, is you know, take people by hand and explain to them that it's much better that they can aim for that six out of 10 or seven out of 10 consistently and, and be doing that now and next week and next year and five years time rather than trying to aim for 10 out of 10 which is only going to last for a very short period of time and then they'll go back to their old ways which which the ways that's caused them to have these health problems or to have that weight gain in the first place so to for me to tell people and for them to hear it from an authority somebody who knows that they can have a chocolate bar that they can go and enjoy a meal with their family that they can enjoy an afternoon tea and drink some prosecco and eat some cakes and they can still lose weight because I'm teaching them how to do that at the same time. And they are still losing weight. It's not the fact that I'm just, oh, I'm just telling you a bunch of stuff that's educational. They are seeing results mm. and they are still enjoying themselves at the same time. That is such, it's such an eye-opening moment. And you talked about penny-dropping moments. That's their penny-dropping moment when they realize that they're being given, given permission and they can still see results. That's, that's, oh, it's the best, best feeling for me. The last point I'll make on this, um, and it's a, it's close to my heart because um, Michelle's mum and dad have recently got themselves into a bit of a health kick. You know, they've reached a milestone age and they've got some life plans ahead and, you know, they want to see, they want to see way into the future, cognitively sharp, in good shape, not deteriorating, not getting old because they're at that age. They want to feel younger than they are. So, you know, they came to us and said, like, you know, here's the plan. I want to lose some weight. I want to feel good. And, you know, we started, I started laying down some foundations and maybe I went in a little too deep. But I started going straight in on the calories and the, the tracking and I set them a calorie target. And I've done this all legit, like using the proper calculators and understanding their movement habits. And I, I gave the, the calorie numbers and both of them said, Steve, there's too many calories. Like, that, you want me to eat 1600 calories a day? Uh, everything else made sense until you told me to eat 1600 calories a day i heard that you've got to eat 800 <laughs> i'm like okay, okay. Yeah. all right I, I hear you i hear that's what you've been told and the idea of eating as little as possible feels like the fastest way to get to a result you want to but we might be fucking up your metabolism in doing so um you're probably not going to last long on it and it's going to feel like hard graft i i am confident and we can reevaluate if not i am confident this plan's going to work. I want you to trust it for a couple of weeks. And lo and behold, they start eating for a couple of days and go, actually, 1,600 isn't a lot. thought it was a lot. It sounds like a lot. But, you know, I can get to the number very quickly if I, <laughs> if I have the wrong choices. Yeah. And they man- they're managing their protein number to a certain level because they weren't having any protein at all without realizing. Now, that after a couple of weeks, we start looking at their stats and their numbers are dropping, their, their weight's dropping. And life hasn't felt that different now they're they're a little bit leaning in on food and a bit more aware of nutrition and because they're tracking and they're weighing you know that there's that they've got a connection with food now they didn't have before and it is a process and it is a bit of novelty 
but the reality is their consumption the idea of like am i on a diet where i'm constantly starving and hunting for the next meal and constantly thinking about food none of that's happening because they're getting adequate volume they're getting adequate calories they're getting adequate food and they're surprised that they're losing weight it's like it's a bit too easy steve what's going on what's happening is this <laughs> is this just like honeymoon period and it's yeah. all gonna stop and i think that that's the exciting part of breaking free of the dogma of what diet is and what losing weight is and enabling people with some really simple tools to start owning the direction of both their health and their weight and it doesn't have to feel like you know you're in a prisoner of war (laughs) it doesn't have to feel that way and that i love seeing people get that Mm. but they kind of need to pass hand you the reins and trust you do you know what i mean yeah and there's this idea also that losing weight is going to be difficult and losing weight is going to be miserable and I think that then comes along hand in hand with this idea that, oh, but once I've lost weight, then I can go back to the things and foods and yeah. habits that I enjoy. And and it's almost like people, oh, you know, have to psych themselves up. Right. I'm going to do it. I'm going to lose weight. And it, you know what? Well, I'm not asking price. you to walk across hot coals, you know, <laughs> but that's what people are psychologically setting themselves up, up to do. And that's where people then have this, right, I'm ready kind of this kind of uh, i've been there i've been yeah there so many you know, times right i'm well. gonna go to the gym six times a week i'm gonna eat nothing but broccoli and kale and and tins of tuna and <laughs> and that's what they they're setting some they think that's what they're gonna have to do and that's why for it's it's it is it is fun for me and i obviously i do enjoy it it's it's then finding these these ways that we can we can improve their life without them feeling that it's hard and without them feeling that it's turning things upside down. And yes, there are things that they're going to be more challenging for them to introduce. Of course, it isn't a walk in the park, but it's significantly easier than mm. you're led to believe. I think that's the point we're both making. Yeah. It's hard to change habits, um, but don't try and change them all at once. And we can give you the tools to feel good making progress, which is sustainable in the long term. And then you stop thinking about the destination you start thinking about the process and who you're becoming do you know i mean that's that is so exciting when you stop holding on to (laughs) the weight or at this point i'll be Mm. happy Mm. because the reality is i've i've achieved so many different things in my life that i thought if i just get there life will be amazing yeah i'll get this i'll get once i get a paycheck of this value wow once i start earning this much in my career per annum incredible once i get this house amazing once i'm married incredible once i get my weight down to this value once i get this amount of muscle it doesn't matter what it is the destination is usually a lot more empty and less satisfying than what you thought it would be but where the juice is where the excitement is is the journey towards it and then ever improving your expectation yourself and feeling you've got the tools to achieve loftier and loftier goals Mm. that is where I hope when you know you touch people, you talk to people, and you enable them, is that that's the that's the mentality they can buy into this idea of ever improving, whether it's mindset, whether it's knowledge, whether it's how my body looks, whether it's my confidence, my social aspects, whether it's my sleep, and owning the satisfaction of improving versus reaching an end goal because mm. there is no end goal. You're never fully one hundred percent perfect <laughs> ever. 
And I had this last week with one of my clients and she said, I've reached that. Her target was 60 kilos. Uh, one of her targets, I should say. And she stood on the scales and she saw that 60.00. And she she messaged me the next day. She said, Lamorne, I'm 60 kilos, but I don't feel any different. I thought I'd feel happy. Mm-hmm. And I said, you've been focusing too much on the scales. We've, we've, talk, <laughs> we've talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> I knew she had. She knew she had. But she yeah. just really, she thought it's a hollow victory, it would be. Right? like a switch yeah. and if and anybody who's ever got engaged or married will know you get engaged and people are like oh my god how is it and you're like it's how exactly, do you feel? exactly <laughs> the same <laughs> you got married how do you feel yeah exactly the same it's she just felt she didn't you want to give a different answer like yeah really deep answer <laughs> do you know what life's changed now <laughs> i feel so much, so much more, more responsible responsibility or whatever <laughs> yeah exactly but doesn't it? it gradually changes it right and and she she sort of she sort of, well, what do I do now? And you know, we we talked through it. And as I said, it's all it's all in our heads. It's it's, and that's why it's so interesting. And trying to explain to people, um, maybe this will be my last analogy, but I, I really oh, I don't know. Don't commit. <laughs> <laughs> this um, think of your your life and your nutrition as a book, and every day is a page, and then you've got you know months, which you know chapters or however you want to kind of picture this. When you have a bar of chocolate that is just one line in the book that is not going to affect your the health of your whole life now if every line of your book is a bar of chocolate then it's going to be a shorter book and it's going to be pretty boring as well to read so making you know making your book as as filling your diet with lots of nice diverse foods but including those foods that you might think oh i shouldn't really have that it's not going to be good for me because your health is not just your physical health, it's your mental health as well. And and there's so much, so many kind of interconnected pathways. So if you're going to enjoy that chocolate bar, then enjoy benefits it. of that that to your mental health potentially potentially could be greater than the negatives that it's going to have to your physical and chocolate health. Chocolate is actually, you know, scientifically very good for you. <laughs> you know, if it's not laden with all the all the sugar, and it's well, not a crap yeah. bar of chocolate. If it's a good bar of dark chocolate that you've got accustomed to the taste. Yeah. It's got, you know, it, it raises endorphins. It's got antioxidants, antioxidants in there, polyphenols. Mm. It's really good for you. And if you're yeah. going to have a bit of chocolate and yeah. you, th- you feel you need it, have it, but enjoy it. Embrace the flavor really take the time to go you know i've deserved this treat mm. and realize it's just calories it's calories that actually come with some goodness if you make a good choice yeah and it's that level of education i i, I really um appreciate and what you're doing i've seen the videos and to see this the direction <laughs> you're trying to take lamorna and um the personable side of the discussion and um all the power to you and i hope that people continue to get the benefit of what you're doing it's it's great to see it really is thank you so let's close on where where people can find your stuff. Uh, I think you kind of mentioned a couple of times there's a thing called Nutrition for Life. But how do people get this, this silver bullet that you've been talking about, this idea of changing their life forever and, you know, making, making ownership and enablement their priority versus just a quick fix? What can they get from you? Where do they find you on the Internet? Um, so where the magic happens is at, uh, I'm on Facebook and my page is Lamorna Fitness. Um, I am on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Lamorna. And my Nutrition for Life course is a 12-week success platform that involves one-to-one coaching as well. Um, and this is a, 
you can think of it as a course it's delivered through a a membership site um as long as as alongside these i think i've got about seven mini courses now and i'm looking at and helping you work towards these these three aspects of of health in terms of the mind mindset the nutrition and the physical fitness as well and you can see that at coaching.lamornafitness.com i'll put all of that in the show notes thank as well you. so people don't have to remember <laughs> lamorna it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for coming to have this chat with me and uh exploring a few things um, if there are any questions that you want to pose to both of us, then you can do so on the Facebook Adaptation page as well as Instagram. And that just leads me to say, guys, Adaptation is all about providing you with the tools and expert knowledge to help you improve and optimize your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Adapt Nation.